Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church. Hey, good morning. Favorite Church, how are we doing today? Doing all right from the front to the back. Woo, we got, we are packed. We're packed today. I love it. It's a full house. And I know that maybe as you're listening to my message, you'll be checking your phones to see who's winning, the Bucks or the Suns. Um, it's okay. God still loves you. If I have my phone out, I'd probably be checking too. But no matter who wins, because you are at church, you are a winner. Amen. Woo, man, that was my corny attempt at humor. So good, man. How many of you guys are expectant today that God has something for you? That God has something to say to you today. And last week, Pastor James kicked us off and he asked the question, who is in your circle? And how many of you guys joined a connect group last week? Yes. Oh my gosh. I wasn't expecting hands. Amazing. That's so cool. But today, the title of my message is draw a bigger circle. That with your life, you got to draw a bigger circle. And last week, Pastor James talked about who is in your circle. But from the beginning of time, God had his circle. He had the Israelites as his circle. But that circle wasn't supposed to stay the same. The people were supposed to reflect the glory of God, and more people were supposed to come into the circle. And Jesus had his own circle. He had the 12, but it wasn't supposed to be just the 12. They were to draw a bigger circle around them. And you have a circle as well. But you're not supposed to just remain in that circle. That circle isn't just supposed to stay the same, but you are to draw a bigger circle with your life. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, we played a lot of games where we would be in circle. Do you remember Duck? Duck, 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 goose. Do we not play that anymore? Do we still play that? Amen. Hallelujah. Right? And they would try to get in the circle. And I I recall a game when you would try to, when you would hold the person's hand next to you and you you were hoping it's it's the hand of your crush. You know what I'm saying? And, and, And you were trying to prevent the bad person from entering the circle. But today, that's not the game we're playing. Today, you are called to include people in your circle and with your life, draw an even bigger circle. And as Jesus was leaving, he gave a final command, a final commission, and he told his disciples, but today he tells you. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. You ever imagine what Jesus' voice sounds like, right? The voice of of God, right? And I'm going to try. I'm going to try, right? And I'm, I'm wondering if this is how he said it. Then Jesus came. I'm trying to think Morgan Freeman, you know what I'm saying? Like, like in that movie. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, don't stay, go and make disciples 
of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How do we draw a bigger circle with our life? Come on, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? God, I pray that every person in here today, you got a word for them. I pray that every heart would be good soil. You'd plant good seed that would bear good fruit in your time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Number one, let me share a few thoughts. In order to draw a bigger circle, you got to look and live beyond yourself. You got to look and live beyond yourself. Jesus said, go. He didn't say stay where you are and let people come to you. Jesus said, go. Because it's not just about you anymore. The focus is not on me, but on them. The focus is not in, but it's out. And today, there's too much me about our faith. It's all about me. It's my walk with Jesus. It's my growth. It's my prayer life. It's my salvation. But do you know that your faith wasn't supposed to stop at you? Do you know that your salvation wasn't supposed to stop at you? But as you received it, you're not just to hold on to it, but you're supposed to pass it on. And he didn't just select and say, hey, Peter, Peter, excuse me, Peter, Peter, you go, John, you stay because you're the one that I love, obviously. Thomas, you eat. James, you sing. Paul, you greet. But he told all of them to go. And he tells all of you to go, no matter who you are. And the commission to go isn't just for the people on stage. It's not just for the connect leaders. It's not just for the people on staff, but it is for everybody who calls themselves a disciple of Christ. He says, go and tell the world what God has done. Go and tell the world that salvation is here. Go and tell, G and tell the world that Jesus loves them and that he wants to have a relationship with them. And in the Passion Translation, it says, I, I, I love how, what it says because it says, now wherever you go, now wherever you go, now wherever you are, now wherever you work in, now wherever your friends are, go and make disciples. Can I ask you a question? Is it possible? Is it possible that you are at the company you are right now to bring God's salvation to your coworkers? Just a question. Is it possible that you're married to that man that refuses to come to church no matter how many times you ask him, that you're married to that woman who does not believe in Jesus? Is it possible that you're married to that person so that you can bring salvation to that person and bring salvation to your family? Is it possible that you belong to this barcada and that person those two people, they don't believe in Jesus. But is it possible that God sent you there so that you can bring the saving message of Jesus to those people? You see, God has either sent you to where you are or God wants to work good through you wherever you are. It's no accident. And there's an amazing story in the book of Acts. And 
and the church of Jerusalem was persecuted and everyone was scattered. I can just imagine, you know, if there was a fire that went on here, everyone would scatter. And it's the same thing that happened in the church in Jerusalem. And there's a man named Philip, right? He was running because there was persecution and the Holy Spirit told him to just go. And can I just tell you, sometimes when we share our faith, the Holy Spirit will just tell you to go. And so oftentimes we say, God, can you give me step two, step three, step four? But God requires faith. And so he'll tell you to just go. He'll tell you to just speak up. He'll tell you to go over there and pray for that person. And so Philip is running. And we pick up the story in Acts 8, 26. And it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road. The desert road, I think Jesus, you know, his voice is booming. I'm feeling the angel's voice is a nice little whisper. So go the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake. What does the Candake mean? Well, here it is. It means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. He didn't say, go to that chariot because I've got this phrase that I need you to say. He said, just go to this chariot. And so oftentimes, God will say, just go, just go, just go. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about how they're going to respond because the changing of hearts, that's my job. Just go, just go. And so here, Philip just goes. And in verse 34, we pick up the story. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or somebody else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. You see, it's so powerful when you go. Because when you go, as you obey the Spirit, the Spirit will begin to lead you. And so often times we wait until the confirmation before we take action. But I found that God requires you to act. And even if we don't know what's going to happen, even if we're unsure, The action says, God, I trust in you. God, I believe in you. God, I know that you're speaking to me. And as I act, there is confirmation. You see, who has God placed in your heart this morning? Just a moment ago, Pastor Kate talked about the family member, the coworker. Who is God placing in your heart this morning? And I love this story of Philip. Because the angel of the Lord told him to go. But Philip wasn't too busy with his destination to see who was on the journey. And I think so often we're so focused on where we need to go, when we need to get there. We're so focused on our own agenda. And God is saying, I'm trying to get your attention. God is saying, hey, look over here. There's a person that needs prayer. Hey, look over here. Quit focusing so much on the destination. 
Quit focusing so much on the agenda because I'm trying to get your attention. There's people who are lonely. There's people who are hungry. There's people who are seeking. Man, can you imagine if Philip said, well, that wasn't in the plan. That wasn't in the agenda, God. Can you be bothered enough? Can you be bothered enough from your own plans and from your own agendas that God can say, I want to use you? There are people all around you, your work, your family, your barcada. They're hungry. They're desperate. They're longing. And let me tell you, they may not know what they need. They may think that it's more money. Oh, if I have more money, it's just going to make my life perfect, right? Just a little bit more. More money, more problems, right? The great notorious B.I.G., but I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe just a few of you would understand that. They think that if you have more money, everything is going to be okay. They think that, hey, if I just get that next promotion, I'm going to be all right. They think that if I have more fame, if I have more influence, then that's going to solve my problems. But what they need, what their soul hungers for, what they're desperate for, the world cannot give. What they need in their hearts, there's only one person that can fill the hole, that can fill the void in their hearts, and his name is Jesus. And do you know why? Because each one of you was created for eternity. Each one of you was created for eternity. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except for God. And so we're not talking about comfort. I'm not talking about just a blessing. I'm not talking about just happiness. But we are talking about eternity. The people around you. I'm not talking about whether or not they're happy. I'm talking about where they will spend their eternity. And my prayer is, God, may we have an eternal perspective and not just a temporary perspective. Because if you have a temporary perspective, what you worry about is, man, that's not cool. Man, it's not right for me to share the gospel right now. But when you think from an eternal perspective, the words of Jude will come to mind where we snatch people out of the fire into salvation. And, you know, there's, there's been so many ways that people evangelize. And, you know, back when I was a kid, we, have, we had these tracks, right? And just in case you don't know what tracks are, because um, right now it's all on the screen. Um, but tracks are just maybe a little leaflet. It's about this big. And I don't know what tracks you guys were looking at, but my track had a man with a sickle. You know what a sickle is? It's like, it's, it's, it's like a big sword, right? And that represented the devil. And the devil was going to come for you. And what you got to do is you got to come and you got to accept Jesus. And one day I remember I was, we were in a feeding program. And after feeding, we evangelized them, right? Because after they're fed, you know, we're, so, we're such a nice people. Right? Okay, we'll be evangelized. And they taught us how to evangelize. 
And they said, first, you got to ask this question. What province are you from? Right? Oh, tagabikol po ako, sir. Okay, that's cool. Uh, hey, how often do you go? Well, I go every month. And then you ask this question. Can you imagine riding in the bus going to Bicol? Oh, some of y'all know what happens after this. Y'all know the script. We were trained under, under the same ate, right? Hey, can you imagine what would happen if, if the bus crashed and you died? Do you know? Langit ba or inferno? Huh? Right? Heaven or hell? Do you know? I sir, hindi ko po I'm not quite sure. Well, do you want to go to hell? No, 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 of course I don't want to go to hell. Do you want to go to heaven? Yes, yes. This is mom holding her children. Yes, we all want to go to heaven. Then pray after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. We would scare people into making a decision, right? Because we would get points for every person that we saved. We would scare people. But how many of you understand that when you fear people into doing something, you may win the battle, but you don't win the war? When you scare people into doing something, they may make a temporary decision, but that decision doesn't last. You see, the, the technique and the strategy may have been wrong, but the heart was right. Why? Because without Jesus, people will be separated from him forever. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And my question to you this morning is, does it break your heart that people will be separated from God forever? Romans 1.6, it says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Come on, repeat that after me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I know some of y'all ashamed of the gospel. Can I just speak a little truth? I know I was. Some of us think, oh, the gospel ain't cool. It ain't relevant. Oh, we're, we're a bit ashamed to share the story of Jesus. But the power of the gospel is the power to save people. So for some of us, we got to get over the fact that we want to be cool. We got to get over the fact that we're ashamed because it says in the scriptures, if you're ashamed of me, then I'm ashamed of you. You see, we got to draw a bigger circle around our lives. And first, it starts with looking and living beyond yourself. Second thing is point others to Christ. Point others to Christ. Verse 19, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He didn't say, help them discover discipleship. He didn't say, make sure they understand what discipleship means. Make sure they know the, the steps to discipleship, one, two, three. But it says to make disciples. It says to create disciples. It says to produce disciples. And people ask me sometimes, well, how do you evangelize? 
How do you share the gospel? There's so many different methods. There's so many different techniques. Is it by giving out tracks with a guy with a grim reaper on it so we can scare people? Is it by inviting them to church? Is it through a relationship? I would say all of the above, but I would also say the spirit will lead you. Why? Because there's some grab drivers that I've felt the leading of the Holy Spirit and I've prayed for them. There's some gas station attendants. I felt the leading of the Holy Spirit and I prayed for them and we talked about the gospel. And then there's certain people in my life, they've backslidden and the only thing I can do is pray for them. I know that if I share the gospel message with them, they'll reject me outright and so I pray for them. I tell them I'm praying for them. I ask them, what can I pray for? Just so that God is in their radar. And some people in this room, you will lead thousands of people to Christ in large stadiums. I believe that. And there's some people in this room, you'll lead three, four, five people to Christ in your entire lifetime. But here's what it says in the book of 1 Peter 3, 5. 3.15, it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so the apostle Peter is saying, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. And so often we use this passage and we focus on being prepared. Have an answer. Have an explanation for why you believe. Have an apologetic. Be ready to defend your faith. But can we, uh, can we just back it up just a little bit? Because if no one asks you, there's nothing to explain. If there's nothing about your life worth questioning, then there's no need to explain. In other words, if the message does not match with the messenger, there's nothing to ask for. There's no hope to ask for. There's no faith to ask for. There's no integrity you're wondering about. Is there something about your life that is worth questioning? And you see, I was thinking about this and I was grieved. I was sad. Because there was a time in my life when I was surrounded by non-Christians. Woo, party! I was in college, and man, every day was a holiday. Every night, the 4th of July. Dukes, dukes, every night, man. And people knew I was a follower of Jesus. But nobody asked me. Nobody asked me the hope that I have. Nobody asked me the faith that I had. Nobody asked me the integrity that I had. And nobody asked me about the morals that I had. Oh, that's for sure. You see, the message didn't match the messenger. I could have yelled at the top of my lungs to believe in Jesus, but my life couldn't back it up. Does your message match your life? And I was talking to this lady just a few days ago, and she's got an amazing testimony, an amazing testimony. And she was an atheist. 
and she had a best friend who was an atheist. And, and let me tell you, I don't want to get this wrong because they had, a, they had a name for themselves, right? They were atheists, and their name was Tag Team Champs of the Club, right? They were Tag Team Champs of the club. And I'm not talking about like a club in church or a club in school. I'm talking about the nightclub, right? And so they were tag team champs. And one day her friend begins to investigate who Jesus is. She's got all these questions, right? Is Jesus really the son of God? Oh my goodness. How do we know if Jesus is really? And finally she accepts Christ, but this person says, no, 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 no. It don't matter if I don't got a tag team, I can go to the club solo. I'm going to keep going the Duke's Duke's way. Every night, I'm going to party. And so she kept going, right? Very determined. Because I'm an atheist. I don't need Jesus in my life. But what happened? Life happened. Valleys happened. Disappointments happened. Heartbreak happened. And how many of you know that sometimes it requires a little bit of spiritual poverty, for people to open up their hearts to Christ. And the friend kept saying, come to church, come to church. And she saw her life and the message matched the messenger. And she saw the transformation in her life. And so finally, after a bunch of kicking and screaming, she ends up going to church. And at church, she sees that the people there, their message matches the messenger. They've got stuff about their life they question. There's the people in church have a hope that she likes. They have a faith that she wants. They have a belief that she admires. And so she ends up joining a connect group. And after she joins a connect group, she began to notice a change in her life. Her spirit, her life began to lift. And then she tells her best friend, who is now her husband, hey, there is a God. His name is Jesus. And this person says, man, I've been telling you all along. And then he ends up believing in Jesus because she was on fire. Her life is transformed. She tells her mother, she tells her sister, and suddenly they see the transformation in her life. The message matches the messenger, and they end up believing. They come to favor church. And then she tells her father, who had stage four cancer. He sees the transformation in the daughter. She is persuaded, and he ends up believing. He, she gets married to her best friend four weeks later, and two weeks later, the father passes away. But he's now in heaven. He's now with Jesus. Why? Because there was something about her life worth questioning. And I want us to take a deep look into who we are, into how we conduct ourselves do people walk around and say, why do you have so much hope? Why do you have so much faith? Why do you have such integrity? Because the message needs to match the messenger. And in Colossians 1, it says, 
To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, to make known among your friends, to make known among your co-workers, the glorious riches of his mercy, which is Christ in you. And so God wants to re reveal the glorious riches of his mercy through the Bible, yes, through church, yes, through nature, yes, through science, yes, but he wants to reveal it through you. The third thing, my last point is this. Do you have God's heart? Oh, don't you love that song? You can have my heart. But do you have God's heart? Do you have God's heart? Verse 20, it says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. God is with you. His spirit empowers you. But do you have his heart? And what is his heart? Second Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. And listen to this, because this is God's heart. Not wanting anyone to perish. Not wanting anyone to be separated from him, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you have God's heart? And there's so many things on my heart lately. There's a cake that I just bought a couple days ago that was on my heart. It was amazing. There's that ramen place that's brand new. And man, you know what? That's, that's on my heart too. There's this new Netflix show that I'm watching. And that's on my heart. And the question is, what's on your heart? And just a couple days ago, I was at the ATM and, and I was withdrawing money and no money came out. But my account was deducted. And so you can assume I was walking and you could probably see flames in my head, right? Like, where's my money? Where's my money at? <laughs> Better have my money. Um, and so I was calling the bank. I was telling the guards. And every person that came to the ATM, I said, uh, excuse me, there's no money here. I told the first person, told the second person, told the third person, and then I realized I can't stand here all day. <laughs> I, got, I got places to be. I got kids waiting for their daddy. And so I, I, I went away, but as I was going away, I saw a lady coming. And do you know when you have a dilemma? Do you know when you can't quite decide and you're wondering, should I, should I not? Should I, should I? God, I already told four people, that is my good deed for the day, right? That's enough. I don't want to go up there and say the same thing over and over again, but at the same time, like, you know, I don't want her, you know, I don't want her to go away and, and experience the same thing I did, but, 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 but I was busy, and so I started to walk away, confession, okay? I started to walk away, but then there was something in my head that said, but if that was you, wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to know? And my question is, the people around you, do they know the gospel message? And the gospel message means good news. It means a good story. Wouldn't they want to know? 
Even if at first it seems uncool, wouldn't they want to know? Don't they need to know? Don't they not want to be separated from God for eternity? Wouldn't they want to know? Wouldn't you want someone to share the gospel message with you? Even if it's embarrassing, even if it's not cool, wouldn't you want someone to at least share it with you? Wouldn't you want to know? And once upon a time, the gospel message wasn't just good news, it was amazing news. It was so good. And I remember when I encountered Jesus, I went to everybody. Hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? These are the guys I just got drunk with the night before. Do you know Jesus? And they were like, what is wrong with you? But the gospel message was so alive in me. And I think for so many of us, the good news isn't so good anymore. I think for so many of us, we've become so familiar that Jesus became man, died and rose again so that you would have eternal life. Isn't that the most amazing news? And wouldn't the people around you, shouldn't they know? And so my question is, do you have God's heart? Because God's heart is that nobody perishes, that everybody comes to salvation and repentance. And let me end with this story. And this story is about a Scottish king of all kings. Long live Scotland. <laughs> and his name was Robert Bruce. And if you watch the movie Braveheart, you may have heard his name, Robert Bruce. He was a Scottish hero and a king. And he fought for Scotland's independence from the English in the 1300s. But before he died, at the age of 55, he had one wish. And his wish was that his heart be brought from Scotland to Jerusalem to be presented before God. And his best friend, Sir James Douglas, took on the mission. And he wore the embalmed heart around his neck. He took the heart of his king to bring it, to present it before God. And in the early spring of 1330, Douglas sailed from Scotland to Spain, and there he engaged in fighting against the Moors. And as he was fighting, he realized that his life was to end here. He was surrounded by the enemy, and he knew that this was his fate. And so come on, imagine with me, this guy who had a mission to bring the heart of his king and to present it before God. Do you know what he does? He takes the heart of his king and he throws it into the enemy's midst. And he yells, fight for the heart of your king. Fight for the heart of your king. Fight for the heart of your king. And the heart of your king is that all would be saved, that none would perish, that all may come into this incredible relationship that gives life 
and life to the fullest. So don't just stay in your circle. The people around you are worth it. They're hungry, they're lonely, they're thirsty. Don't be satisfied with the circle that you have because Jesus tells you to go. Jesus tells you to go. Don't stay, get off up your butt and go. Don't be satisfied with the circle you're in. Tell the people the good news, the good story of what God has done for you. Draw a bigger circle around yourself. The people around you are waiting. They won't tell you they're waiting, but they're hungry. They won't tell you they're hungry, they're thirsty. They won't tell you they're thirsty, but they're desperate. God has commissioned you with all authority of heaven and on earth. He has commanded you with all authority of heaven and earth. He has equipped you, so go. Go and fight for the heart of your king. Man, is the gospel still the good news to you? And maybe you've become too familiar with the gospel. Come on, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And there's a song that I want us to sing. And I want this song to be your prayer. And it says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And if you're in this room right now, and you're saying, Willem, you know what? That fire that I had, it's no longer there. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what, Willem? That amazing news that God saved me, it's not so amazing anymore. I need God to break my heart today. I need God to break my heart today. And as we sing this song, as you pray this message, I want you to come up. And as you come up, that's going to be a sign. It's going to be a symbol that I'm going to go. I'm not going to stay where I'm at, but I'm going to go. Why? Because Jesus told me to go. Why? Because the heart of Jesus is for me to draw a bigger circle. And so by you getting up off your seats and coming here, we're going to pray for you, but that's going to be a symbolic gesture. That's going to be your response to God. God, I'm available. Send me. Whom shall I send? Send me. Send me. Come on. Would you just, all of us, would you just stand up? Come on. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.